MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Seidenberg here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. And the NBA playoffs resume. Two more games here on Monday. Two more coming up on Tuesday. We're going to have like two every day. It's just the way the schedule is going to keep running itself uh, out here. I believe we have an off day coming up on Thursday as the uh, travel days whatnot. But here on Monday, we had game one between the Heat and the Sixers. Miami taking advantage of a Sixers team without Joel Embiid, and uh, with all due respect to anybody that bet on the 76ers, and I know that there are you know smart people that did, I, I thought that this line, even with a three-point adjustment, should have been greater. It's funny that I said that the line should have been nine, and that's what the line is for game two, so that's the adjustment that's been made. But a lot of times, you... The point spread is adjusted for a player being hurt, right? We saw it with Devin Booker out for the Suns. We saw it with Luka, especially for the Dallas Mavericks. And with Joel Embiid out, the line goes from four and a half to seven and a half. And some people would say, yeah, you know what? Three points. That makes sense for a player of Joel Embiid's caliber. And while I agree, a player of his caliber is probably worth about three points to the line. Although I would argue, and I did argue, that because of the situation and the team that they were playing, in the regular season, yeah, maybe. Um, against any other team, yeah, maybe the three points. Uh, okay. But against this Miami Heat team, the way that they have played defensively and how bothered I am by James Harden in the postseason and just seeing what we've seen from Harden over the past year or so, couple years, he's not the same player he once was. Where people say, oh, well, James Harden can just take over a game and dominate. No, he can't. Not anymore. And did the Sixers have a good game plan? Okay. Did they shoot threes a a bunch? Yeah, but they didn't make them. And 
Could it have been a different game if they shot better? Yeah, I guess you could say that about every game. But what really impressed me and what was like the deciding factor for me laying the seven and a half with Miami was that this defense did not allow James Harden any room to breathe. And at his age, at his physical abilities right now, he cannot create his own space. He is better at facilitating, at getting other people involved. He is a master at the step-back jumper, that step-back three-pointer. That's his game. He is not going to drive. He's not going to put moves on a guy. He's not going to dribble around you and create a shot. He's faking you out. That's just not him anymore. He's not aggressive. And so with Miami's defense combined with Harden's ability or lack thereof, I never believed that Philly was going to have a chance in this game. Was I worried in the first half? No. The NBA playoffs, runs happen. But moving forward now, I know the adjustment here is, some people would say, big. Nine points now. Is there a line in game two? I don't think you can convince me to bet Philadelphia. I just don't think so. I think maybe the 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 total is a way to attack this. So in game one, the total was set at two oh eight and a half. And it goes under, right? We only had 198 points. So it goes under by 10 and a half. So the adjusted, the adjustment now is to make this total 206 and a half, two points less than what it was. But then you look at the box score and you see the Sixers going six of 34 from three point range. Does a lot of that have to do with Miami's defense? Absolutely. But 6 of 34 seems like it's going to get better. As well as the Miami Heat. You know, the Heat were terrible from three-point range also. They were 9 of 36. So, yes, we had a game here that went 10 points under the total. We had a game here that featured a team without its leading scorer, a team without the leading scorer in the NBA. Which, by the way, shouldn't the scoring leader be the guy that scores the most points in the season, not the guy who averages the most points per game? Doesn't that make more sense? Like, the NFL passing leader is not the guy who averages the most passing yards per game. It's who has the most passing yards. Just just an idea. Because, I, I mean, who did score the most points this year in the NBA? Was it Luka? I want to look that up right now. Regular season points. Not points per game. Total points this season. That would be interesting. To, uh, I want to look that up. 
Anyway. So, without their best scorer, and with Miami playing incredible defense, I get it. The under is the attractive move. But if there's any sign of positive, you know, progression, and they make more three-pointers, game two is going over. Well, we're going to have a 110, 105. No, well, let's, let's go 110, 100, 112, 102. Because I do think Miami, I do think Miami covers nine, and they win by 10. Maybe they win by 12, um, or maybe even more. But I think the Heat will score more than 106. And I think the Sixers might get over 100. I think, I think the two-point adjustment is a little bit much. I might go over here in uh, game two. The Suns flexing against the Mavericks. Boy, they're good. They just kind of reminded us who the best team in the NBA is. Because at the start of the playoffs, I think every single one of us would have said the Phoenix Suns are the team to beat. Suns are the best team. And then the Devin Booker injury, combined with how good the Warriors looked, combined with the the Boston Celtics sweeping the Brooklyn Nets, and all of a sudden, it's not the Phoenix Suns as the team that everybody's picking to win the NBA Finals. Even though, yes, the Suns, according to a lot of sports books, are the biggest liability. Because I think once the number decreased with the Booker injury and with everybody buying in on the Warriors and the Celtics and whatnot, it became more attractive to buy in on the on the Phoenix Suns. And they they're now they have now reclaimed the spot as the favorite to win the NBA title. And I think it's well deserved. I do. Um I just look now at this team and this win in particular. And kudos to the Mavericks for battling back and and really almost coming away with the cover. But Luka was fan. Luka scored 45 points and didn't really get a lot, any help from anybody else. I know the argument's going to be, well, in game two, if Luka gets some help, Mavericks will have a good chance to cover. There was no adjustment made on the line. It's going to be six for game two as well. I think, though, it's not about um, Luka getting help. It's about Luka doing this again. Like, let's say he does get some help. Let's say Brunson or Dinwiddie step up. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And score 20-something, high 20s, 27, 29 points, something like that. Well, is Luca still going to get 45? That's a question. So, I just, I think the Mavericks are good. I think the Mavericks can put up a fight. I just don't think they win game two. And I'd be looking at the Suns to take a 2-0 series lead, and then we see what Dallas does. I think game three is going to be the game for Dallas. That's the game that I think we're going to see uh, the Mavericks really, really contend and win. Bucks Celtics, I think the, I think it's a good time to buy back on the Celtics now. Game one was a good fade opportunity. Game two, I think, is the buyback. And the Warriors, uh, this team is just too good. And that was a game where the Grizzlies had to have with Draymond getting ejected. And the fact that they didn't win that game, that's, that's going to cost them here in this series. Not like I thought they were winning this series anyway, but that really is going to come back to bite them. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio, the Dream Pre- Preview podcast, uh, will join me. We'll talk NBA hoops, uh, get into everything going on in the playoff world. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Scott Sadenberg, joined in studio by Mackenzie Rivers, Fox Sports Radio, the Dream Preview Podcast. And let's talk some NBA playoffs, Mackenzie. Let's do it. The Heat defeat the 76ers, game one of their Eastern Conference semifinal series. No Joel Embiid. We saw the line move from four and a half. With uh, with Joel Embiid, you know, assumed to be in to seven and a half with him out. I made the argument that I understand it. You know, when you say, "Hey, he's worth three points to the line," what's the argument going to be? All right, yeah, Luca is worth this much. He's worth this much, but situationally, Miami's defense. Who else are the Sixers going to rely on? 
I thought this line should have been way higher. I laid the seven and a half. It came in comfortably. Did you think that the line should have been moved even greater than it was? Yes, and I'm kicking myself for not having bet it because you're right. A three-point adjustment for Embiid is not enough. Luka, Embiid, Jokic, I mean, these guys are the team. Their Mm -hmm. whole defense and offense is structured around these systems. And if you look at the on-off numbers, it's, it's stupid. It's 11 points the Sixers are better with Embiid on the court this year than with him off. What's interesting about this line and where I think the market got it wrong is we haven't seen the Sixers team before where we can talk about uh, Sixers without Embiid throughout the season, but a lot of that's Seth Curry minutes. A lot of that is before the big trade. So now spotlight's on James Harden, and the market, I think, rightly saw that it's just it's not the same James Harden. 16 points, 5 for 13 shooting, 5 turnovers. I mean, it's not even an above-average output at that point. So if you look at the Sixers, Sands, all superstardom, yeah, they should be laying. They should be catching about eight points, nine points to the Heat. And game two has been adjusted now. It's a nine-point line, which is what I thought it should have been for game one, if we're being honest. And just watching James Harden in this game, it, it almost. So first of all, I'm. I'm and I, everyone calls me a hater. It's not that I'm a hater. I just never like bought in. I never like bought into it. James Harden in the playoffs. Yeah. Never bought into James Harden in the playoffs. And I, I just don't think that he is the type of player. He can't do it by himself, and, he, and and not a lot of guys can, okay? Like, Carmelo Anthony used to get heat all the time, and I, I understood that, and I used to defend Carmelo when I was covering the Knicks because, like, look, you can't do it by yourself. Some players maybe can, but for the most part, you can't do it by yourself. Harden definitely can't. Let's look at Harden for his career because Daryl Morey once said he's the best offensive player of all time. And, you know, he has a vested interest. He was the once and once again GM of the guy. So he has Del a Mori also called Shane Battier the most valuable player in NBA history. Yeah, because he says things like that. But I think, I think James Harden gets a bad rap because he's simply an A-minus player that has eye-popping, unbelievable, might not see it again, regular season statistics. But I think, like I've said before on this show, if we just closed your eyes and didn't look at the regular season and looked year after year at James Harden, you'd think he's a top 15 player in the league historically. Now that he's dropped off, you know, top 20. But his style of basketball, and we're going to talk about Luka Doncic maybe coming up, I just think playoff teams that, that see it play after play, game after game, they're, they're not impressed by it. They're not, they're not flummoxed by it. And I, I think they had no real answers on offense. Uh, Tobias Harris started off hot, hitting a bunch of threes, but it seemed kind of hodgepodge. It seemed like there was no real plan play after play, half-court offense after half-court offense for the for the Sixers to go to. And I think maybe they should look towards Maxie and Harris and other ways mm-hmm. to attack because James Harden's not doing it. Yeah, and, and they didn't let him breathe, the, the Heat. They played great defense. They, they really stifled him. And James Harden, at this point in his career, is just not a guy that's going to be able to create his own space. Yeah, and they're going to get Kyle Lowry back, and that's going to help. But oh, their defense, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Heat's defense has played six games these playoffs. They've held the opposing point guard, on average, 10 points below their over-under. So it's wow. not even close. And by the way, how much is 10 points under? For example, if you're at 30 and you bet under 20 and a half, it's about plus 350 payout. So these are like top third percent, top 33 percentile performances six games in a row. Wow. I think we see it again. I think Bam Adebayo, you can't switch on him because it's like a point guard. It's like switching a seven-foot point guard onto your guy. It's not going to help you. So I, th- I think they got... They got structural problems, and I think James Harden continues to struggle. Yeah, I, I, I might lay the line again here in game two. Um, when it comes to the total, though, I think that's interesting. We talk about how great the defense was, yes, and, and the Heat have done such a great job. 
the total in this one was 208.5. It goes under by 10 points. So, you, you know, you're very comfortable there with this under in game one. Game two has been adjusted now. It's 206.5. The argument I'm going to make here is that both teams combined, I believe, 15 of 70 from three-point range, right? You had the Heat. Uh, it was 6 of 34 for the Sixers and 9 of 36 for the Miami Heat. So, yeah, my quick math in my head says 15 of 70. 34%, I think. If, you, if they just make five more three-pointers and go 20 of 70, game goes over. By comfortably, yeah. goes over. If they make three more three-pointers, the game goes over the adjusted total, which it is now at 206.5. So we're talking about just needing to make three more three-pointers out of the, you know, 55 that they missed. This was, these numbers were staggering. I think the, I'm going to look towards the over, I think, in game two, thinking that we might get a little bit better shooting. I don't mind that at all. Playoffs have been an under, you know, game 60% yeah. so far this season. And that's been a, the case for a while that unders have been the way to go. However, if you break it up by series game numbers, so we just had game one, the only time the last five years it's been profitable you know, betting every time is game two. And mm. why is that? I think there's some caginess in game one that goes away game two. And I don't think the defenses have found the the solution. I think there's it's game two's a, a, a counter-strike game. Uh, you know, the, the chess match. So you in, make the adjustment in yeah. game two, and I mean, then the teams don't catch up to the adjustment until later. game three. And game yeah. fives, game sixes are, uh -huh. are powerfully under trends. But I think this is the perfect example. What are the Sixers going to do when they get back into that that ring with the Heat that just slobbered them? Well, they're going to do something different. They're going to do pace wise. They're going to you know adjustment wise. I think they're just going to throw everything at the wall. James Harden's going to try, probably try and attack and be aggressive. I mean, and he's, he's got get to get to the free throw line more than uh, twice. Yeah, he's got to to keep it close. So I think they push the pace. I think they try things different. I think the Heat uh, probably just outscore them because the Heat had 120 offensive rating despite not shooting all that well from three, like yeah. you mentioned, or two. I don't think the Sixers have much in the way of defense. They were like Tyler Hero was wide open in one game. They didn't know that they didn't know who was on them. So I, I think they're they're scratching at it. In the other game, we saw the Suns defeat the Mavericks. Uh, Mavericks almost backdoored this thing, which yeah. is wild. I mean, if Dinwiddie makes that three at the end, they backdoor this cover, which would have been crazy. So I commend them for the comeback effort. But that being said, I feel like the Suns completely flexed their muscle here yeah. and reminded us who the best team was in the NBA coming into this playoffs. Because and you and I talked about it before the playoffs even started. Say, who's the best team who's winning the NBA finals? It's the Phoenix Suns. No one's beating the Phoenix Suns. The Booker injury combined with how great Golden State looked and also throw in uh, the Boston sweeping Brooklyn, I think people kind of moved uh, yeah. Phoenix back a little bit. This game, the wire-to-wire -wire win, con contributions from everybody just kind of yeah. – it was a statement to me, reminded me that, hey, this is the best team. 121 points on probably the best defense in the league. Them and the Celtics, you know, since January, the Mavericks have been right there. And it's the way that they did it. It was it was the, the diversity of their attack. Uh, Nate Duncan, NBA writer, had this stat. They were 18 for 27 against the Pelicans in game six from the mid-range. So you're about to, you should make about 35%. Mm -hmm. They made 70%. They actually beat that this game. They were 14 for 20, wow. 70%. So you just don't see teams do that on a regular basis. But they're a perfectly constructed offense with a bunch of great mid-range shooters. Yeah, and DeAndre Ayton had a big game. I, I just, 
there's been no adjustment from game one to game two on the spread. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I think the Suns are the, are the side here. If you look at the last two series, the Pelicans were way better than anyone expected. Yeah. And they had the perfect big lineup to go against the Suns' weakness, which is rebounding. The Mavericks, exactly the opposite, especially when Luka came back. They were against a team that plays a bunch of small guys, a bunch of bad defenders, and Rudy Gobert. Luka Doncic is tailor-made to attack that kind of system. He did it. So I think the, Sun, the Mavericks are a little bit overrated because they had a favorable matchup. And I think the Suns are probably, you mentioned it. I mean, just oh, two weeks ago, nobody was touching this team. The Warriors had odds that were three times mm-hmm. what the Suns were. And I just think it's, you know, the... the the sexier story was the Warriors to start the playoffs, but I think the Suns are just as good. Yeah, right now they're they're just showing who they who they were coming in. They look like the team that they were in the regular season. Uh, as far as everyone saying or you know the idea that the Mavericks will in Game Two they should get contributions from somebody else if Jalen Brunson steps up, if Spencer Dinwiddie steps up, right? That's great. You can say that. You're right. But they also got forty five here for forty five. So yeah. if all right, let's give Jalen Brunson ten more points and he has a twenty something point performance. Yeah. All right, Luca's probably going to get 33, 34 yeah. points. He's also, not going to get 45, 50. They also lost by seven. So, yeah, yeah give Jalen Brunson 10 extra points, to, and then now you need only 42 from Luca yeah. to stay competitive. Look, the Mavericks have played the Suns now four times. They've lost every time this season. It's been about the same game. Luca missed two of the games. They lost by seven or eight. Luca played two of the game. They lost by six, and now they lost by seven tonight. Yeah. I think it's a one-sided matchup. Let's talk about the other series uh, on the other side of the break here because uh, the Bucks take game one from the Celtics. The Warriors win. They don't cover, but they win <laughs> in game one in Memphis. We'll talk about the game twos coming up here on Tuesday. He's Mackenzie Rivers, Fox Sports Radio, the Dream Preview Podcast. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Slow and steady wins, stacks of cash. Join the Old Forester Turtle Derby Challenge and can beat free for your share of $5,000. Enter the free-to-play pool to make your Turtle Derby predictions for a shot at a share of the cash. Head to DraftKings.com slash Old Forester to get in on the action. Old Forester never gets old. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joined in the studio by Mackenzie Rivers from Fox Sports Radio, the Dream Preview Podcast. Got a tweet here. Um, what a voice. Who is this that you have on? Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> so, Mackenzie, you're getting uh, comparisons to Neil deGrasse Tyson. What if I told you? <laughs> in a world... He kind of looks like my dad, actually. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> All right. There we Neil go. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, something other than outer space, and that is the <laughs> other NBA playoff games. Uh, the Bucks take game one from the Celtics. I said this before. I don't know if you agree or not. I felt like game one was the right time to fade Boston. I thought it was an emotional series against Brooklyn. And, yes, it was a sweep. So they got by them, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy sweep. Remember, buzzer beater in game one. 17-point comeback in yeah. game two, okay? The wire-to-wire winning game three, we understand. And then game four was, you know, the closeout game. Emotional series. The Kyrie chants, all the questions about, you know, the Nets were the, the championship favorites all along. So I think there was a little bit, the Celtics had like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder going in there. And I just thought that maybe game one here against the Bucks, an opportunity to fade the Celtics. 
All that being said, I'm totally buying in on them in game two. What do you think about them in game one in this series versus what they're going to look like here in game two? Love the analysis you laid out for game one. I think there's one more factor that factored in is that it was a one o'clock Eastern start time. So super early start time, not something they're used to. If you look at the entire playoff history, any game that started before 2 p.m., 55% unders. So that makes sense to me. It's a shock to the system. Teams aren't used to it. I think the Boston Celtics were particularly prone to falling into this malaise, and they just didn't wake up the entire game. It was their worst shooting game in 25 games. And when you think about it, the last time they played a legitimate NBA championship quality defense was months ago because, you know, no one was playing defense at the end of the regular season. Mm -hmm. And the Brooklyn Nets had nothing to offer on that side of the ball. So the Milwaukee Bucks, Drew Holiday, one of the best defenders in the league, came out, punched him in the mouth. I very much expect the Celtics not to have their worst shooting game out of the last 25. Jason Tatum's going to shoot more than 18 times. He's going to shoot better than 6 for 18. I think they're, they're this side in game two. Yeah, and there really hasn't been an adjustment on the line because they're minus 4.5, which is what they were here uh, in game one. So no adjustment there. As far as the total is concerned, game one, the total was at 215.5. It obviously goes way under. Game two, we're seeing 215. So no adjustment there on game two. Would you... Any, any feel on the total for game two? I would two. Look, towards the, look towards the over. We talked about game two. We talked about those kind of adjustments. And I just think the start of the day, I mean, this data keeps piling up on itself where there's a significant downward trend for scoring if you start the game, you know, when these team, when these players aren't accustomed. So this mm-hmm. is a regular 7 o'clock Eastern nighttime game. I would look over. All right. Well, let's talk about the Warriors. Uh, a 117-116 win over the Grizzlies. They win. They don't cover. Mm. I am the guy that says you always go money line. Now you tell me. I Listen, I, I understand and I respect the pros out there that over a larger sample size, you keep laying 30 cents extra, you keep losing 30 cents extra, it's gonna, it's yeah. gonna come back to bite you. In a situation like this, and I talked to our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Montobo, earlier, who said that he does it based on where he projects the line to be. If he thinks the Warriors should be a four-point favorite, he'll lay the two. Uh, for me, anything that's less than two, yeah. which is less than, which is really, really, I'd go, th- I stretch it to three, but if it's, oh, if it's, if it's too expensive at three, it's, it is, you know, what it is. For me, it's anything that's in one possession. Yeah. One possession is my threshold because if it comes down to a buzzer beater scenario or a late game, one possession, you know, whatever, I just want the team to win. I don't right. want to, I don't want to sweat out that. I want to sweat out a spread when it's a two possession game. When I have a team laying four and I'm worried about that buzzer beater that like, Hey, now they're only going to win by two or they're only going to win by one or whatever. But if I got a team minus two and a three-pointer that you know to win the game for the other team or a two to tie it and send it into overtime, I don't want to run into any overtime situations. Yeah. I want to run into a finality situation, which is either win the game or lose the game. I've been talking about how totals have been going up throughout the NBA season, you know, 223 this year, but not in the playoffs. So I think there's a reason why we've seen several one-point games come up in these playoffs. It's because there's you know there's less scoring, it's tighter. There's, there's more squeaky bum time, as the British like to say. And <laughs> I'm not surprised that you see. I mean, now it's easy to say that. I laid the two. I'm that guy, and I lost it. But, uh, yeah, I, 
I, I would take I would say in the playoffs, laying two, not the best idea, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and look, this is obviously in the regular season. And if you're going to bet every game in the regular season or oh, every yeah. night of the regular season, I don't recommend this. Because the more times, you know, what the Warriors were 53 and 29, right? So they that means they lost 29 games. Yeah. If you lost on them on all of those 29 games, and let's say you know, you had the money line on half of them, you're down a, you're down a pretty penny there. Yeah, yeah, it right? adds up. It the adds units up. add up here. But in the playoffs, where the games are spread out, where it's going to be kind of rare where you get the games like this, that it is a one-and-a-half or a two-point spread, yeah. I think it's okay to lay 125, yeah. 130 on, on, on a money line. The Warriors are 126 for this game. I mean, what, what's the... And I might take minus one ten to minus one twenty six, fifteen cents, sixteen cents. Yeah, I might take the minus one twenty six because putting aside the the theory of whether we should have bet money line or the spread, mm-hmm. the Warriors should have covered this game six ways to Tuesday. Oh, I mean, yeah, Draymond Green suspended. <laughs> Clay Thompson played one minute in the second quarter because he had three fouls. Curry had probably his worst half of the playoffs, and still Clay Thompson had two free throw exactly. attempts at the end. A ninety one percent free throw shooter with ten seconds on the clock for the cover. <laughs> so. I, I bet I'm on the series, so you know I was still happy with the result, but could have uh, been a little happier. Do you buy into any zigzag? The, the Grizzlies can take this game, or just the Warriors are the better team and they should win this game again. The, the war. I don't. I, I'll make a prediction. The Grizzlies outshot the Warriors from three. They hit more three pointers. Hit five more three pointers. That doesn't happen the rest of the of the series. I know they were letting Josh shoot. They were laying off guys. That's not their game. I don't see them catching points uh, or or staying in pace for the series. That said, game two is their must-win game. It is their, uh, you know, bury down the hatchets game. I think in the first half, uh, we see this in the zig-zig-zag theory, but that is their home game that they have to win. So I think it's analogous. I would look at the Grizzlies' first half, but there's a reason why I bet the Warriors on the game one. I just think power rating-wise, as the playoffs get uh, revved up, Mm -hmm. I think they have a lot more flexible options. And the Grizzlies have, you know, a 23-year-old that they're putting in the ball in their hands and saying, go do it. Steph Curry at 23 wasn't, wasn't the leader of a team. Yeah. You know, it took a while. It takes a long time for point guards to reach uh, maturity, and I don't think that it's there yet for Morant, despite the 34 points. Grizzlies minus 115 for the first half. Not bad. Not yeah. bad. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what I like better, though, is Warriors third quarter minus 130. You can get that on FanDuel. Uh, and here's the thinking. The, Gri- the Grizzlies have one of the best margin teams all season. Warriors, one of the best te- margin teams all season. Warriors were a pretty bad first-half team. Grizzlies were the best first-half team in the hmm. league. Warriors were the second-best third-quarter team, only behind the Celtics, beating teams by three points a third quarter. Grizzlies, 16th in the league, dead average, zero-point margin. Wow. So that is area of weakness for the Warriors, area of strength. Sorry, area of weakness for the Grizzlies, area of strength for the Warriors. I think they're the better team. I think there's a good chance they'll be down because of the first half thing I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And that, that if, if they're down by five points, they're going to be three-and-a-half-point favorites in the third quarter, for example. So I think that's the way to look at it. Uh, while I have you here, before I let you go, uh, NFL Draft, who won the NFL Draft? The betters won the NFL Draft. This is a beatable <laughs> market. I did this analysis for Straight Out of Vegas where we looked at the five biggest movers, like from one draft mock average to another mock drive average. And then we, we eliminated anything that was close where uh, the, the – this, this total already moved the over-under on these players. So Tyro Smith, for example, Tyrone Smith, the guy that the Cowboys got, mm-hmm. he was 36th two weeks ago on the average mock, and then using the you know proprietary mocks that we use, he was 24th. His over was 30 and a half. It went way under. If you did that, if you did that analysis, the top seven guys all won their bets. 
all the team, all the guys that had late steam up up arrow, they all went under. All the guys that were like, well, Malik Willis, I mean, I had him sixth, now I have him 20th, now I have him 30th. They all went over. It was wow. a very beatable draft. Shout out to uh, Hitman. I know he went 13-2. and two. If you guys know him, that's an incredible performance. I bet he does it next year. I think it's a very beatable thing. I think if you're looking at the mocks, the market eventually will catch up, but they haven't yet. Yeah. Wow. I was just happy I hit my Derek Stingley third overall to the uh, Houston Texans. Another so. guy where all the money, all yeah. of the mocks were saying, this guy <laughs> is better than he's being priced. Passion. That's Passion. the one. That's the one that I hit, and I'm regretting because I had Sauce fourth to the Jets, but because of that story that came out about Makai Becton, completely changed my bet on that one. He's Mackenzie Rivers, Fox Sports Radio, the Dream Preview Podcast. Be sure to check him out. I'm Scott Sadenberg. This is the Look Ahead here on Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have best best all best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil's going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup Final. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets, premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, and even the Kentucky Derby betting guide. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash spring. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Wanted to go through the board here for Tuesday. Pick out some winners. We'll start in the playoff action. We just got done talking about the NBA playoff action, and uh, here's what we have. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm going to back the Celtics at home, uh, minus four and a half in game two. Uh, I do think they have a response here. Uh, It's a better situation for them. I like them to come away with the victory here in game two against the Bucs. And I'm going Warriors on the money line. Uh, I I think that game was way closer than it should have been in game one, considering, you know, Clay barely played uh, in the third quarter with that foul trouble. And or in the second quarter with that foul trouble, and Draymond Green getting ejected just changes the game. I mean, the Warriors still pulled it out, and yeah, they should have covered. But I'm not laying the two. Uh, give me Warriors' money line. Warriors are winning this game. That's what I like. NBA playoffs, I like the Warriors, minus the 126. I like the uh, Celtics, minus the 4.5. That's my NBA playoff bets. Uh, for the NHL Stanley Cup playoff action, Rangers at home, minus 130 against the Penguins. I love this bet. Why do I love this bet? Well, Rangers at home, really good season this year. Um, Their power play is just just elite right now. But at home, the Rangers this year were uh, 27-10-4. And the Penguins will be playing without their starting goaltender, Tristan Jari. He is hurt. Don't know when he's going to make his series debut. Casey DeSmith is going to start in net for the Penguins. And so I got the Rangers at home. I got the, you know, the atmosphere there at the Garden. I got the dominant power play. And I got the goaltending edge with Shesterkin over over Tristan Jari. Uh, to me, this is just really this. This is this is too good to pass up here. Um, the New York Rangers have the number three power play, number four power play in the NHL this season, behind Toronto, St. Louis, and Edmonton. And the penalty kill. Let's see. Let's see how the Penguins did in the penalty kill. Rangers, by the way, fourth in the league in the penalty kill. So Rangers special teams, very, very good. Penguins, ooh, let's see. They're like middle of the road here. Eh, They're 84.4 penalty kill percentage. Let's see. Who had the best? The best was the Montreal Canadiens, uh, 75.5 this season. Um, so, all right, Rangers have the edge in both special teams, but the goaltending edge as well. So I'm going to go Rangers minus 130 at home. And then, you know, you got the Panthers at home. They should win against the Capitals. Same thing with the Flames against the Stars. But I'm going to go Avalanche on the puck line. I really think, and it's minus 125, minus one and a half. The, uh, the Avalanche have had early playoff exits the past several years. And that is something that has been talked about a lot with this team. 
great in the regular season. President's Trophy winners last year, second best record in the league this year, which they, they could have gone out and tried to win the President's Trophy, but I think it was like a, a been there, done that attitude. They rested some guys down the stretch, lost some games, which I think that they were okay with going into um, the postseason. I think they wanted guys rested here for the playoffs because they know that their early exits have been a, a point of conversation surrounding this team. I think this is a moment for them. I think this is a moment where they come out really not, it's not just motivated. It's with a purpose. It's just, they're going to be angry. They're going to send a message. I think this is going to be, this is, this might feel like the Toronto five, nothing win over Tampa. This is going to be a blowout win for the Colorado avalanche here in game one, because They don't want any doubts to creep in. They don't want to hear any conversation about another possible early postseason exit. You put that all to rest with a dominant performance in game one. You lose game one, now all the postgame press conference, hey, are you nervous about another early postseason exit? What does this game say to you about uh, the pattern of this team's postseason failures over the past couple of seasons. What is it about the postseason where this team dominates in the regular season, just can't win in the postseason? Blah, 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 blah. Who wants to answer those questions? Go out, dominate, win big, take a, take a 1-0 series lead, and just flex your muscle. Because the whole season they've been the best team, especially at home this year. So I am absolutely back in Colorado, minus a goal and a half on the puck line. Major League Baseball, it's a fun schedule. We have a doubleheader in uh, New York, Mets and the Braves. Game one, uh, Charlie Morton, Carlos Carrasco. Game two, Kyle Wright, David Peterson. I lean under in game two of the doubleheader. Um, All four doubleheaders this season. The second game has gone under, so that's where I would lean for this one. Uh, The number has not been uh, posted yet, so keep an eye on that. Also keep an eye on the adjustments that the books are making when it comes to these totals. We saw several six-and-a-halves here on Monday. All the all three six-and-a-half games did go over. We have a six-and-a-half on the board here between the Dodgers and the Giants on Tuesday night. Carlos Rodon, Julio Urias. I think I'm going to play the over six-and-a-half in that one. Also, a uh, couple of spots to keep an eye on. Pitching advantages. Uh, uh, Twins, great pitching matchup. Joe Ryan against Bruce Zimmerman. Uh, Joe Ryan's been fantastic this season. Uh, Phillies definitely have an edge. Ranger Suarez over John Gray. Mike Clevenger makes his season debut for the Padres against his former team in Cleveland. So could be an emotional game for him. Zach Plezak on the hill for the Guardians. Uh, Yankees have won 10 straight games, yet are underdogs in Toronto Alec Manoa on the hill for the Blue Jays, who has been lights out this season, 4-0 with a 1-4-4 ERA. Noah Syndergaard gets the start against Michael Waka, Angels, and the Red Sox. Angels are a minus-125 favorite. I'm probably going to back Syndergaard in this one and go with the Angels. Uh, Brewers and Reds. Reds are terrible. 3-19, and worst team in Major League Baseball. It's only going to get worse from here on out. Uh, Tyler Molle's on the hill, though. He's their best pitcher. Do I have it in me to bet the plus money on the uh, Reds? 
Probably not. Tried that before. Didn't work out. Where I do think we can get the play here is the under. Maybe not in the game, because I think once Molly comes out, the bullpen comes in, we'll see what happens. But I do think we can get an under in the first five. Maybe it's three and a half, uh, which is low, but I think at worst, this is, I think at the most, this is going to be a three nothing Brewers lead. I don't think Brandon Woodruff's given up any runs to this Reds team, especially now Jonathan India is on the IL, so that's a huge bat missing from their lineup. Molly's been great this season in terms of missing barrels, so um, I'm going to look for an under possibly in this matchup. Um, Cardinals, Royals, Dakota Hudson, Brad Keller, Nationals, Rockies, Fetty against Marquez, you lean Rockies there at home. Ryan Yarbrough against uh, Paul Blackburn, Rays and the A's. And uh, let's see, Mariners, Astros, Chris Flexen, and Christian Javier in that matchup. Hey, coming up this morning on Follow the Money, our very own Matt Humans, uh, he's our senior editor here, will join the program at 7.45 a.m. David Sampson, for, former Marlins general manager or president, uh, he, and currently working for CBS Sports, will join the program at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And Dennis Bernstein from SiriusXM NHL Radio, thefourthperiod.com, uh, he will join the program 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. It's all coming up on Follow the Money. You can follow me at Scott's on Air on Twitter. It's S-C-O-T-T-S. O-N-A-I-R. I'll update you on when the baseball plays are posted to the daily best bets page up on vsin.com, uh, which will happen probably a couple hours before first pitch. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on vsin, the sports betting network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.